0: Thank you so much, Dan, for that prayer this morning. I appreciate it. Well, if you're visiting with us this morning, I am working through the attributes of God. That's the sermon series that I'm on right now. And this morning, we are going to look at the fourth of 15 attributes that we are going to look at in this series. And we are looking this morning at the holiness of God. I would like you to turn in your Bibles to the Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, and we are going to look at verses 1 through 8. Isaiah chapter 6 and verses 1 through 8. And this is what it says. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. High. And lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face and with two, he covered his feet and with two, he flew. And one calls to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. Well, our first point this morning is God's holiness. Only one attribute is being declared around the throne of God day and night. And that is the holiness of God. I just want you to think about that. I want you to meditate on that all service long. Only one attribute of God is being declared around the throne day and night. And that is the holiness of God. Last week we looked at the sovereignty of God. And I said to you that that is a foundational attribute. The same could be said about the holiness of God. Because God exercises all of his attributes in holiness. Again, I just want you to really think about that. God exercises all of his attributes in holiness. His goodness is a holy goodness. His grace is a holy grace. His judgment is a holy judgment. And so the angels of God are crying out, holy, holy Holy. A key passage besides Isaiah 6 is Revelation chapter 4 in verse 8. It says, And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. I don't know about you. It just overwhelms me. I want us to think as we meet together on this last Sunday in August of 2023 that day and night, every day, Always has been and always will be. Every day, day and night there is an a group of angelic beings who never cease to say Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is. To come Every day when you get up, every day when you have breakfast, every day when you go to work or you go to school or you go about your activities, every day and every night, there is a group of angelic beings who are constantly saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. In the Bible... To raise something to the highest degree, you would repeat it three times. Three times. So what the angels are saying, not only that God is holy, but he is holier than any of his works. He is holier than any of his creatures. But more than that, he is the holiest of all beings. He is elevated to the very highest level of holiness. God himself is perfectly, perfectly holy. I've shared this with you in the past. It's always intrigued me. And I share it with you again this morning. Isn't it interesting that the angels are not crying out, love, 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 although God is a God of love and love is one of his attributes. The angels are not crying out, truth, truth, truth. Although God is absolute truth. Nor are they crying out, wrath, wrath, wrath. Although God is a God of perfect judgment. No. The angels are crying out, holy, holy, holy. I think we can say that more than any of God's attributes... God is identified in heaven by his holiness. And someday, for those of us who know Christ as our Savior, someday when we go to heaven, of all God's attributes, we will see that he is most identified by his holiness. Everything about God is holy. Everything about him is holy. His Son. The Lord Jesus Christ is His Holy Son. His Spirit is called the Holy Spirit. His Word is called the Holy Bible. His Temple is referred to as the Holy Temple. The land that He gave to the children of Israel is called the Holy Land, everything about God, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, everything about him is marked by his holiness. Now we're going to look at two aspects of the meaning of holiness as it pertains to God. The primary meaning of the holiness of God is that God is separated above his creation. If you've ever done a study on holiness at all, it means to be set apart. In fact, the fact that we are called God's holy people means that we are not only separated from the world, but we are separated to God. So the primary meaning is that God is separated from us in the sense that he is completely unlike us in all of his perfections. He is on a level distinctly and infinitely above us. Holiness means that God is elevated far above us. He is distinct from us. He is superior to us. He is high and lifted up. We see that throughout the word of God, especially in the Psalms. That God is referred to as high and lifted up. And that is because he is holy. God is exalted in his glory far above us. God is supreme in his greatness. Compared to all of the other works of his hands. So he is supreme in his greatness compared to everything else. He is majestic as he is elevated above us. He is dazzling in his kingly glory because he is holy. In Exodus chapter 15 and verse 11, it says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods, Who is like you, majestic in holiness? And, of course, the answer is there is no one. No one is like our God. God is exalted, or God in his exalted holiness is awe-inspiring. He is awe-inspiring and worthy of our worship. It is hard to think of enough phrases that would describe how holy God is. God in his holiness is stunning. In his holiness, he is staggering. In his holiness, he is breathtaking. So magnificent in the beauty of his holiness that it's mind-boggling to gaze upon his attributes and to contemplate the majesty that belongs to him and to him alone. Excuse me. His holiness is so far removed from us that there is no comparison that can be made to God. He is incomparable in his holiness. So that's the first meaning of the holiness of God, that God is separate from us, majestic, high and lifted up, elevated, beautiful, Glorious in all of his holiness. The second meaning, or really the second part of the same definition, and this is the one that we are most familiar with, the meaning of the holiness of God is that God is morally perfect. He is morally perfect. God is sinless. God has never sinned. God never will sin. God is incapable of sinning. Some of you will remember that back in January and February of this year, I preached through the small Old Testament book of Habakkuk. And in Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 13, it says that God's eyes are too pure to look upon evil. That is because he is perfectly pure. He is without sin. He is without moral blemish. He is flawless in all of his ways. All of God's decisions are perfect because he is holy. All of his judgments, all of them are perfect because he is holy. All of his actions are holy and perfect. Everything about our great God is holy and perfect. As I shared before, all of God's attributes are exercised in his holiness. So, in a sense, every attribute of God springs from his holiness. Pastor Mike, this morning as he read, quoted from 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 2, the prayer of Hannah, when God enabled her to have a child. And she cries out to him. So interesting in 1 Samuel 2, 2, this is not going to be on the screen, but she says, and this is interesting, how would you pray if you had been infertile, if you weren't able to have children, and then God blessed you with the child? How would you pray? This is what she says. There is none holy like the Lord. For there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. That's how she praised him. There is none holy like the Lord. Well, our second point this morning is the prophet Isaiah's vision. Perhaps the most important passage in the Bible On the holiness of God is Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. There are many great passages on this theme, but this is probably the central one that is most turned to in Christian teaching and doctrine. And I want to work through this with you because it is so important. It says in verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, this is Isaiah the prophet goes into the temple of the Lord and he has this magnificent vision. And it happens in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, what we need to know this morning is that King Uzziah was the king over the southern kingdom of Judah for 52 years. He became king when he was 16, and he reigned for 52 years. We don't even know what that is like. Imagine having the same president for 52 years. You would live a good portion of your life and not know anyone different. There's nothing to compare it to now. Even Queen Elizabeth, when she died, she had reigned for over 70 years, but she was mostly a symbolic monarch. During that time, Great Britain had had all kinds of different prime ministers who actually ruled the nation. But Uzziah had ruled for 52 years, and the vast majority of his reign was characterized by prosperity and wealth. It was a good time. So when he dies, it is devastating. It is devastating for the people of the southern kingdom of Judah. Who will take his place? Even Isaiah the prophet is like, Lord, who Who will reign in Uzziah's place? And God reminds him that it is God who sets up kings and God who puts them down. It is God who put Uzziah in place. It is God who will raise up his successor. So in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. High, there it is, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Now at this time in history, a king was characterized, or how much power a king had was characterized by the length of the train of his robe. The longer the train of his robe, the more power he had in his kingdom And it says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe, filled the entire temple. Verse 2, above him stood the seraphim. Now the seraphim are angelic beings, and what's interesting about the seraphim is their name literally means to burn. And what it means is that the seraphim burned for God, they were on fire for God. Those who were closest to the holiness of God were on fire for him. And above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two wings he covered his face which represents the fact that the seraphim felt that they were unworthy to be in the presence of a holy God. And with two, he covered his feet, which means they knew like Moses at the burning bush that they were standing on holy ground. And they must cover their feet because this is holy ground. And with two, he flew. And I love this. It means with two of their wings they flew. They were ready to do whatever God wanted them to do anytime he wanted them to do it. If he was going to send them out with a message to the ends of the earth, they were ready to go anytime, time, any time he would bid them to do that. And so here are these seraphim with six wings, and in verse 3 it says, "In one call to another. They're calling out to each other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Let it be known, not just throughout the earth, but throughout the universe, that our God is a holy God. He is not just holy. He is holy, holy, holy. And the whole earth is full of his glory. And at its heart, the glory of God is a reflection of his own holiness. It's what his glory means. And in verse 4. And I want us to try as best we can to imagine that we're with Isaiah that day. And he's seen these angelic beings just flying around two wings they're covering their face two wings they're covering feet their feet with two wings they're flying and they're crying out holy 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 is the lord verse 4 and the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called in the house was filled with smoke. So they're flying around, crying out, holy, 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 and the whole temple begins to shake. Imagine if our building right now just began to shake, and it's filled with smoke. It's filled with smoke, representing praise and worship to God. And how does Isaiah react? Verse 5. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isn't it interesting? It doesn't say, and Isaiah said, Wow, this is amazing. Isaiah doesn't say, wow, I'm glad I got to see this. No. He is overwhelmed with his own sin. Woe is me. I'm in the presence of a holy God and I realize that I'm lost. I realize that I'm a sinful man, a man of unclean lips, and I realize that I live among a people who are sinful. How do I know that? Because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. One writer said that if the glory, the holiness of God ever showed up in our midst, we'd all be on the floor, on our faces, terrified. In verse 5, or excuse me, verse 6, or 6, then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand. In his hand, a burning coal that he had taken from the tongs of the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. One of the seraphim take tongs and they take a burning coal representing the holiness of God. Representing, folks, the cleansing fire of God. The refiner's fire. They took the burning coal from the altar. And he touches Isaiah's mouth. And said, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. You have acknowledged your sin. You have recognized your sin. And God has now come to cleanse you. Now there is some debate over exactly what this means. Is this a foreshadowing? of the sacrificial atonement of Christ that is to come that will cleanse us from our sins, or is this more of a cleansing of a servant of the Lord who needs regular cleansing as he goes out to serve the Lord? And we really don't know for sure, and maybe there are aspects of both of this, but what we do know, only God could cleanse him. He could not cleanse himself. It was God who had to come. Salvation is of the Lord. Sanctification, cleansing is from the Lord. It had to be done by the Lord. And then verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Isaiah says, Here I am. Send me. Or the famous King James rendering Here am I. Here am I. Send me. Isaiah was like the seraphim. He was ready. He had seen the holiness of God. He had recognized his sin. He had been cleansed by God, and he says, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. If you need someone to go for you, I will go. You talk about worship. That is worship. This is an amazing scene. We, by means of the indwelling Holy Spirit in us, are taken to this place in Scripture so that we might enter into the vision of Isaiah the prophet. Well, let me try to bring this all together this morning. I want to challenge you with this thought. The church has always been strongest when it's had its highest regard for the holiness of God. The church is always strongest when it has its highest regard for the holiness of God. I want to give you three reasons why as we close. There are probably more, many more than three, but these are just to get us thinking. The holiness of God protects us from sin, or excuse me, protects us from Satan. The holiness of God, number one, protects us from Satan. When we see God in his holiness, we see him as he actually is. And like Isaiah, we see ourselves for who we actually are. We must say, with Isaiah. Woe is me. I am lost. I am. You are a person of unclean lips. We live among a people of unclean lips. We see God correctly, and we see ourselves correctly. If you remember, at the very beginning of this series, I said, I wanted us to learn to understand better the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, as I shared with you, is seeing God for who he really is, as revealed in the Bible, and who we really are in our sin and desperate need for him. Do you know what Satan wants more than anything in your life? He wants you to get your eyes off God and onto you. He wants you to think, I'm pretty good, I'm pretty strong. I can handle this when you can't. You see, you are most likely to be deceived by Satan when you get your eyes off God and onto yourself. When you think you're strong, when you think you're capable, that's when Satan will have a field day with you. The holiness of God Protects us from Satan. Second, the holiness of God helps us to take worship seriously. If you remember only one thing this morning, I want you to remember verses two and three from Isaiah 6. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, and One called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Folks, that's what it means to worship. We are unworthy to be in the presence of God. We are on holy ground. And we exalt him and praise him and worship him. One of the greatest things that each of us fights against every single day is casual worship. We come to church for corporate worship, for gathered worship, and we are casual. We just kind of go through the motions, hoping maybe they'll sing a song that I really like this morning, and maybe there'll be something good that I can take from the sermon. It's kind of how we come to church. Folks, we're here to worship. We're here to worship a holy God who is holy, 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 who was and is and is to come and the whole earth is full of his glory. When you're having your daily devotions, you fight against casualness. You just read your Bible and you say some prayers and you go out and do whatever you're going to do. Do we really come in our private Bible reading and prayer time to worship a holy God. The holiness of God helps us to take worship seriously. Number three, the holiness of God gives us a cause to live for and a cause to die for. It was once said that every young man and every young woman all around the world are looking for a cause They are looking for a cause to live for and a cause to die for. All you have to do is watch television, watch the news. And there are protests going on. Protests here in America, protests in Europe, protests in parts of Asia, protests in South America. And not exclusively, but the vast majority of those who take to the streets in protest over something, whether we agree with it or not, the vast majority who take to the streets are young men and young women because they're looking for a cause. And we need to let them know that there is no greater cause than the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ, our holy God, who died for us, who rose again, whose gospel we are to take to the ends of the earth, who is the only one who can save us, the only one who can bring us the satisfaction and fulfillment that we so long and desire. We need to let our young men and young women know that there is a cause to live for and that there is a cause to die for, and that is Christ himself because we serve a holy God and the holiness of God reminds us he's worth it. He's worth living for and he's worth dying for. The church is at its strongest when it has its highest regard for the holiness of God. I say to you again, only one, Only one attribute of God is being declared around his throne day and night. And that is the holiness of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a holy God. In a world filled with evil, we praise you for being perfect and pure and holy. Help us. Help us as a church to cry out with the seraphim, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. In Jesus' name, amen.